HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. For the longest time now, I had been looking for the perfect way to serve my agave spirits. Be it a vessel, a copita, a glass, the shape didn't really matter. What mattered was that this vessel was equally as stunning as the agave spirits I was serving. So I just didn't want something that was beautiful. I also wanted something that talked about Mexico in its full glory. And finally... Finally, after many years, our friends at MezcalForLife.com saved me. They found what I wanted. This came in the shape of marble glasses. I've always loved marble because it's the one thing that is going to last you your lifetime. Even if you have dogs or kids, it is virtually impossible to break them, though you can achieve it. But most importantly, I think there are very few materials that can show with such precision the place and the artisans that were involved into making this. Every time I see one of these glasses, I have to imagine the mountain that was cracked open in order to extract this marble, and then the process in which the artisan thought, yes, this is what I want. This is what I think is beautiful, and this is what I want to share with the people that are coming to my town. So if there's any chance that you are as excited about Marvel as I am, I recommend you to go visit mezcalforlife.com. That is, again, mezcalforlife.com, and I really hope you get to find your perfect copita. I'm Lou Bank. I am Chava Periwan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning, critically acclaimed podcast that helps gring eggs, bartenders, but earnest in agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today, dear listeners, dear agave road trippers, road trippers, how, how do we call people? How much is that doggy what? in the window? Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the one thing Agave that... Agave road trip goes to the dogs! <laughs> the one thing that will not prompt a fight against against me or with between Lou and I. The one thing... Well, actually, I, I do have a few comments about this, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I suspect this won't be as... It won't go down as easy as you expect. No, it yeah. won't be easy. So, uh, first of all, like, what are we talking about today, Lou? You're better at explaining things quickly and, and sharply. We are talking about McGay Mutts. We are talking about Palenque Pups. We are talking about Fido de Mezcal. We are talking about, we've, we've had an episode that explains how much agave spirit you can bring back with you into the USA, right? Mm -hmm. But we've not talked about how many dogs. 
dogs you can bring back. So this episode is like, this is pandering. This is totally pandering to people who love dogs. This is how do you get a dog back from Mexico? All I can speak to is the USA. I don't, if you want to bring it back to Europe, sorry, you're on your own. You want to bring it to Canada. I can't help you to the USA. Now that I know something about. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, I do want to make a point before even you start giving all the technical details and your grand expertise in the theme. Why not cats? Cats? Well, cats you can get up here in the U.S., but we don't have any dogs. Come on. You know, so I'll tell you, it's funny. I very, very rarely see cats in Mexico. Because you go to bed at 9 p.m. Is that when the cats come out? (laughs) (laughs) I keep dog hours. I didn't know there were dog hours. I very, I mean, we've, we've seen some beautiful little cats, but like I can think of, I've probably seen two dozen cats in all of my trips to Mexico. Really? Yeah. And that's maybe because I've seen thousands of dogs and they eat the cats. That's entirely possible. (laughs) I'm not liking where this is going. I love the cats. I prefer the cats. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with a cat, but I'm saying like dogs I see all over Mexico and the dogs. Yeah, because you buy sausages to feed dogs. It's not like you hang on a second. You go stalk the dog. This is not a chicken or egg thing. This is very simple. It's not like I was walking around with raw hot dogs and that's why the dogs. It's not like I was walking around with the raw hot dogs and that's why the dogs came to me. I walk around with raw hot dogs because I see so many stray dogs dogs. In fact, when when Connie and I first started visiting Mexico in 2008, the first trip we took to Oaxaca, I didn't see a single person walking a dog on a leash. Not <laughs> not one. Every dog I saw was either wandering the streets and you know, maybe it was somebody's dog, but I don't think so. So either walking the streets or they were up on a roof protecting a house and that was it. That's it. <laughs> That, 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 that is very true though. So wait, and I, and this is something that I struggle a little bit understanding sometimes is, mm-hmm. uh, you guys love in, in the US of A, uh, to adopt dogs, right? That's a very, um, well established thing. Like I've even seen but like, as opposed to what? Well, I've, I've seen like even cartoons in the New Yorker where there's two dogs talking and one dog tells the other, like she was a rescue. Like there's the, like the, there's a bunch of jokes. Wait, wait, what's the, what's the joke there? I don't get it. Well, the dog is saying that the owner was a rescue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so it's it's uh it's almost sort of a joke these days. Or am I wrong? I'm just reading like uh, American culture from a distorted lens. I don't I don't think it's a joke about rescuing dogs. I mean, like during the pandemic in particular. Literally, so many of the um, the dog pounds around the USA ran out of dogs. People, so it is a joke. Well, that wasn't a joke. Like, like that's how we managed uh, our stress was we we got all these dogs. I'm babies, but whatever. No, uh, no. Like it, it's funny. Like when when you talk about like the baby boom, this was definitely the puppy boom. <laughs> 
Okay, okay, but I think the 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 important part about this episode is not what I, what I understand or what I think about this. It's how do you find a puppy that you love in in Mexico, in a palenque, in the streets of Oaxaca, in the streets of Durango or Torreon, and you are able to bring it back to the to to your house in the United States, correct? Yeah, 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 exactly. So I found out the hard way how to go about this process. Oh, Connie okay. and I, as you know, as you say, <laughs> we walk around Mexico almost always have some form of raw meat with us um i guess hot dogs aren't really raw but some some form of of easily carried meat that we can feed to dogs sometimes it's bacon sometimes bologna and um and we we went to the zocalo in oaxaca um and just you know like we do on so many trips just started throwing hot dogs out to dogs and this this one beautiful dog came up to us and normally they're sort of like goldfish in that you'll feed them and they'll keep eating as long as you keep throwing them hot dogs. I've literally gone through two whole packs, like 16 hot dogs on a single dog. Goldfishes? I thought you were going to say hamsters, but sure. Goldfishes also. Well, hamsters do that? Well, hamsters have like very big cheeks. So they can store a lot of them. <laughs> okay, that's that's cute. I like that. Well, so you know, so we're used to these dogs just eating, 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 eating as much as you will give, they will take. This dog came over to us, um, and and she just had two hot dogs and then laid down at our feet, and. Mm. Right. And it's like, oh, and then people would come over to us. And if they got too close, she'd start growling at them, got even closer. She'd get up and bark at she them. She was protecting Mexicans from gringos. She, oh, is that what she was doing? Like <laughs> yeah, keeping a bubble that's around what she was us? Doing. It's like. And then, like, it came time we had to go and meet some folks for, for lunch. It was to start walking out of the Zocalo. And initially, she was following close behind us um, and barking at people who got too close. And then she figured, I swear to God, figured out our trajectory and jumped in front of us and started clearing a path. She literally attacked a guy's crotch who didn't move out of our way. And that was it. Connie was like, okay, like, and, you know, and we already had two dogs. We couldn't bring another dog back for ourselves, but she's like, we, we gotta, we gotta bring this dog home. We gotta find this dog a home. Lord. And it's, it's like a longer story than that. I won't go into too many of the details, though it does involve Lalo. Um, but what we found out was to get, to get this dog who at the time was probably about 45 pounds. Her name is Callow. She's so beautiful. Named after the Zocalo and Frida Callow. <laughs> Callow. Um, uh, yes. To get this puppy dog back to the U.S., you have to get these tests done and you have to get her these shots. And the key to this, so the, you know, you've got to find your veterinarian who can do all the paperwork, give the shots, do the tests, uh, fill out the paperwork so that you can bring the dog in. Right. Uh -huh. But here's the trick part. This is the hard. There's two hard parts. So one piece of it is. They, after you've, after you've, I think it's after the shot. No, it's after the test. There's a 30 day waiting period. Oh, so you have to find a home for that dog for 30 days if you're not staying that long in Mexico. That is exactly Jesus. right. If you're like, if you find this dog on the last day of your trip, you're like, what am I going to no. do? I have to find someone to home this dog for 30 days. Otherwise, the dog wanders around and everything is null and void and you maybe never see the dog again. Right. Yeah, so yeah. we found in, in Oaxaca. Uh, south of Centro, just just south of Centro, there's this training facility where they were teaching dogs to be guard dogs. 
And so you would put your dog in this facility for anywhere from 30 to 90 days to be trained by professionals to be to a guard people. dog. I'm sorry? To to attack people, to be, an, yeah, to be a in police essence, dog, I mean, to, like, to find drugs, to find explosives, to... Or, or to follow specific commands, like, like that, right? And, uh, and so Calla was in there, in essence, like, she was in ROTC in this military training, <laughs> but her job was just like, and they taught her a few things, but her job was really just to lay around and, and get fat. And... And so it cost us, I want to say it was something like $600 to keep her in there for uh, what amounted to about 40 days. That the, You know, that's the, that's the whole salary of a person working full time in Mexico, right? Oh, yeah. No, no. I realize that. Well, look, when you uh, fall in love with a dog, you don't you don't question the amount. I would, okay, okay, you okay. know, I, I flew down there for trips, not to see her like I had trips planned before we ever found her um, and I would take her out for an afternoon and we'd go and get steak together and run <laughs> around and it was just it was adorable it's like I had little doggy dates uh, a couple of doggy dates between did, did, uh, did, you, did you have somebody following you taking pictures dressed <laughs> no, like I a charro dressed, she was, no? I gotta say she was so smart they let her in at the restaurant which was really cool um, and, and I ordered two steaks and like they you know the little bench, little table, and she was sitting on the bench next to me, and they put the two steaks down, and as soon as they did, she ate hers immediately, and she didn't touch mine. She was so smart. Oh, she's such a smart girl. Anyway, so, like, there's that, but then here's the other thing you got to think about when you're getting these dogs is you really, I mean, if you fall in love with a 40-pound dog, I get it, as, you know, as we did, um, you're going to do what it takes. Okay. What you really want to do is fall in love with a tiny puppy. Because with a tiny puppy, you can bring that puppy on board as carry-on. Or like, it doesn't even have to be a puppy. I guess like uh, uh, there are lots yes, of... Yes, a small dog you can... But they make a man. Well, like... Chihuahuas. Chihuahua. No, they don't like you. They, little, you put them in a little container. Like a tiny dog is ideal because then it's just carry on, and it doesn't cost you a lot of money. It's like the I don't know fifty bucks I think to to carry one on. Right. But if you've got to check a dog, as we had to do with Callow, um, you have to find a freight forwarder, which you can do like generally through. The airline, you tell them, okay, I've got a dog. I'm going to check the dog, $200. And then they find a forward freight forwarder who can put all the paperwork in place. But then the terrifying part about that is the freight forwarder can't always get your dog on your flight, which means your dog who – no. Yeah, and I think – like at the time that we did this, I think they were doing a thing where you're supposed to – um, sedate the dog, but they've since changed that because it's rare that the sedation can last the whole time, um, which means the dog comes out of sedation is freaked yeah, out. And and panics yeah. The hell. yeah but, but Callow got stuck at the freight forwarder for a couple of days. And so, you know, like the poor dog was stuck in the, the kennel for those couple of days. And then, oh, no. you know, when you're receiving it, the flight's delayed. It was like a 10 hour wait between when she was supposed to be there and when she showed up. So, you know, that's a, that's a uh, exhausting and terrifying um, and expensive. Like at the end of the day, 
everything all in. And, you know, I, I think we did this in 20. Oh, I know that we did this in 20, uh, 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 18. Okay. Well, it cost us just over for all the shots and for that boarding and for the freight forwarding and everything cost us just over $2,000 us. $2,000. Yeah. And the vast majority of that was the freight forwarder and the um, uh, checking her and all of like all of that stuff. Um, wow. Yeah. Like, I think if we had had a little puppy, we could have carried on. I think we could have gotten out of that for under just under a grand, maybe like 800 bucks when you include that <sighs> $600 stay at the. Yeah. I mean that's still a significant investment in 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 love I guess. Hey, we all invest well, everybody except you invests something in love, Chop. <laughs> hey, hey Lou. I'm going through a difficult time in my life, okay? So <laughs> chill. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> So, but my point is this, my point is, you know, it's, it's feasible if you do fall in love with a dog and I get it, I get it. And the people that we, um, we adopted are out to, uh, Callow out to like, they're, they're friends of ours. We get to see her every week. Um, and she, she's just so grateful. And these dogs, you know, I, I, I hate, I'm going to it's a cliche, but you know, we, we our, our dog, we've got a dog that we adopted who was homeless here and she's a sweetheart, but I don't think she gets the sense like oh yeah i i i you know like this is this is great they saved me like she feels sort of like she's entitled to our house but calo calo still treats me like a rock star like oh you're the guy who saved me and you came and you brought me steak and you gave me belly rubs you, you know how much how much hate mail are we gonna get because this is the ultimate white savior statement well I, no it's not <laughs> what do you mean what how do you mean well, like that, that, that you're you're feeling recognized by the dog. Oh, I'm totally. Feel, I don't feel recognized by my dog. Like the dog who lives with me doesn't give me half the respect that I get from Calo. Oh no, I know. Like I just, I'm just saying that because sometimes, uh, for me, it's I, I've never lived with a dog. I, 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 there used to be eight dogs in the class studio where I used to work, and and two cats and. It was it was always interesting to me, like the the relationship that people have with dogs, and and it's you know like at the beginning of a thing like I saw so, sort of a very simple like gratification thing mm -hmm. where dogs are very happy to see you, and uh, more like you know if if you're feeding a dog that lives in industrial park that doesn't have any other way to get fed, they're yeah. gonna be extremely happy to see you. But then I realized that it's not as simple, it's not as superficial. There's a uh, yeah, like the, the, there's some serious love happening there that I uh, that I was not aware of. So I was making a joke, but uh, I, I I do understand that it's not as superficial. It's just like I feel great because that dog is acknowledging that I saved it. Oh, I think it is for me. It really is that oh, really? simple. Oh, oh Lord, I know. I get so much. I, <laughs> Come like, on, Lou. Oh no, I like I truly do, and I think that is I think that is the essence of the bond between dogs and humans is there really is that give and take and you know it's it, there, there was this study I, I heard about this on, uh, on on some NPR station recently where um 
They were trying to figure out the intelligence level of different animals by putting them through these tests, giving them tools in order to uh, perform the tests. And the assessment was based on the assessment of their intelligence was based on their ability to utilize the tool. And dogs failed miserably in all of these tests because every time you put the tool in front of them, they would look at the person. And the 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 human being who was talking about this test said that in fact that makes the dog the smartest of all the animals because the dog recognizes there is no better tool than a human that the dog recognizes that these these humans can do everything so before you spend any time with these other tools wait and see if the best tool can get this thing done for you got it got it Okay, so I, I guess the conclusion for this episode is that it is feasible to bring a dog back as long as you have two thousand dollars to spare, or or you get a really small dog. You know, the other thing that I'd also say is uh, in two thousand eight when we first started visiting Oaxaca, uh, as I say, we didn't see anybody walking dogs on leashes, and now. Oh, my goodness. Every Sunday, there's a group in Oaxaca who does a tour through Centro of their dogs on leashes that ends up at uh, right right in the uh, the uh, just north of the Zocalo. Um, I see so many people with dogs. And look, you know, you and I do a lot of work in rural Mexico to try and help people. And. It's easy to fall into that trap. And I do this all the time myself of, you know, what's more important is helping people or helping dogs. And, you know, I would every single time come down on the side of helping people is way more important than helping dogs. But I think that there's also I think how we treat animals can be a barometer for how we treat each other. It's a barometer for empathy, Mm. in essence. So, you know, it's it can it can be easy to point to something like yeah this guy spent two thousand dollars to bring a dog back from mexico you don't have dogs in chicago and obviously we do but i do an awful lot of work to help people as well but when i see this dog who you know and i feed, as you say i feed a lot of dogs hot dogs and bacon when i'm on these trips i do a lot for dogs like is and i see a lot of dogs that need help but when you see a dog who speaks to you in this specific way, who says to you, I really want to be your dog. Even though we knew that dog couldn't be our dog, we knew that dog was ready to be somebody's dog. And that's just, that's something I can't turn away from. Wow. Yeah, I I, I unfortunately cannot, I don't have a lot of capacity to understand this. But I, but I, but well, I, on the next trip, we'll get you a dog and then you'll learn. Yeah, no, no not happening. Um, <laughs> I, I first need a plant. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that doesn't die. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Lou. Like it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I fundamentally agree. I, I guess my only follow-up question, and I'm not going to do it because we need to finish this episode now, but it's uh, maybe it's cheaper if you drive the dog back. <laughs> <laughs> How about that idea? You know what? Actually, that's it's a very good question. I'm not sure. I guess I didn't investigate truckers. I just can't imagine keeping a dog in a truck for well, the no, week but it would for, take to you, you in a car. Well, that's also a pain. Okay, no, never mind. So, 
ladies and gentlemen and others, if uh, you want to bring a dog to, to well, you want to get a dog to United States from here, Mexico, there you go. That is your guy. Okay. Catch you next episode, Chava. See you This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound Engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. A Gabby Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.